The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. To trust in Jesus and to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise and to know the saith the Lord. Ecclesia and happy Mother's Day to all of you moms and grandmas, aunts, sisters, mentors, friends. If you have ever made a difference in a child's life, we celebrate you today. I also know that today can be hard for some. I totally understand as I battled infertility for three years waiting for this little guy. So if today is a sad day for you, we see you, we are with you, and we love you. Please let me say a blessing over our time today. Dear Jesus, we love you so much, and we are so glad that you are here with us celebrating today. Please be with each and every person who is watching this right now and bless our time together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.
Ecclesia, please join me in this offertory prayer. Our risen Lord, all that we have is yours. Our presence and offering to your glory, our talents, the humble bricks of your kingdom, our very best laying before you in gratitude. We submit this offering to the honor of your great mission. Work within us, around us, and through us. Bind us together in your redeeming work. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ecclesia, it's Wayne Brown, campus pastor at Ecclesia on the West Side, and I'm honored to get to share some updates with you today. And first, I want to make sure that you know we are gathering in person every weekend at both our downtown campus as well as our West Side campus, and we would love it if you would join us. Summer is all up on us, and because of that, we have made the decision that starting next week at both our downtown and West Side campus, we're gonna move those gatherings indoors. We're gonna keep them shortened to about 40 to 45 minutes. We're gonna keep our kids with us. And we're doing this just so that we can uh, continue to gather and it's not so unbearably hot outside. We're gonna ask everyone to wear masks throughout the entire gathering and then just take it down, take some communion, put it back up uh, once that's over. And we're asking this for everyone's safety as there will be people who are fully vaccinated as well as folks who are not fully vaccinated with us. We're gonna ask you to register in advance so that we can communicate anything. If we need to change protocols or do some other things, we can let you know that. But we also want you to know that we're doing everything we can to hold space for you. So if you wake up on Sunday and decide you want to join us, we would welcome you, please come. Uh, but you can find all the info on that at our website, ecclesiahouston.org slash events, or you can register there at the, through the Church Center app, and that's honestly the easiest way to do that. Next, Ecclesia, I want to tell you that we are so excited to get to do Kids Camp and to do it in person this year, hosted at our West Side campus. We're going to do it in the evening. We're so excited to be back, uh, both for pre-K, which is ages three, all the way through going into kindergarten, and elementary, which is first through fifth grades. Those camps are gonna be together June 28th through July 1st from 5.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. We're hosting it in the evenings so that we can keep as much as possible outdoors, we can do that safely and to keep it as cool as possible. We are limiting our capacity as we create the safest environment possible for our kiddos. We will be requiring that all campers, volunteers, and staff be masked for the duration of the camp, as well as practice some social distancing indoors. Registrations are gonna be opening soon, but for now, go ahead and just save the date. If you wanna sign up to volunteer, please email Katie O'Neill to let her know that you're interested, and her email address is katieoneill at ecclesiahouston.org. And next, Ecclesia, we want to continue to thank our amazing volunteers who are working with our outreach team to provide some hot meals and some necessities to some of our unhoused brothers and sisters here in the Houston area. And we want to let you know that if you want to participate in that, you can go to ecclesiahouston.org outreach. You can find an Amazon wish list there where you can buy some necessities that they'll need this summer and make sure that that gets in their hands. You can also give to take part in that as well. Uh, we could not do this if we as a community did not pool our resources together to do this. And we are so grateful for your generosity. And if you'd like to be a part of that, you can do that by giving. You can go to ecclesiahouston.org give. You can also text your donation amount by texting the donation amount to the number 84321. And then you can also do that through the Church Center app. But we're blown away by those amazing volunteers and by your continued generosity that we get to do these things. And we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And lastly, Ecclesia, I just want to invite you to take a moment to take a deep breath and just to prepare yourself as our dear brother, teaching pastor, Sean Palmer, is going to take a few moments and open the scriptures with us today. And you know as well as I do that every time Sean shares that it's a gift. And so my prayer for you is that it is a gift directly from God, that you hear God's voice speaking through Sean and through these scriptures, through these stories, wherever you are, uh, and that God gives you exactly what you need today. 
We love you, Ecclesia. We can't wait to see you in person. God bless. Hello, Ecclesia. It's great to be with you on this Mother's Day as we continue to honor um, all of our mothers and grandmothers, mothers-in-law, and the people who have mothered us through the course of our lifetime. We just want to celebrate you and let you know that who you are and what you do, what you have done for us, um, is worthy of being honored and that we love you. Yes, recently uh, I read a book by Malcolm Gladwell called Talking to Strangers. And it's really about how we as people enter into the world of other people. It's not just about talking to the attendant in the checkout line, but how we enter in the story of other people. And one part of the book, he asked this really interesting question about the television show Friends. And he asked whether or not you could follow the storyline of Friends without the sound being on whether it would be funny without the sound being on. And what he was getting at is just this idea that in Friends, like everything is telegraphed, their facial expressions, their body movements, that you don't even need the sound on. Now, if you're like me, you don't think Friends is funny with or without the sound on because everything's telegraphed. Like you can see every joke coming from a mile down the street. You remember this, is this show, right? About six people who could barely keep jobs, but somehow managed to afford these $10,000 a month apartments in New York City. Like it was just never that great of a show. And I know I have offended most of you, but his ideal was whether or not you could just watch people and know something about them from their facial expressions. Could you watch Friends and enjoy it without the sound on? And so this got me thinking about other places. What could I learn from other places without the sound on from other people? So I did this little experiment where I wanted to watch television with the sound off, but I wanted to see real people, not actors. So that led me to TV preachers and cable news, um, reality shows every now and then just to spend a little bit of time without the sound on to figure out what was going on. And you know what I discovered? That Americans, that we, we are an angry people and we do a lot of yelling. There, there's this something bubbling up in our culture. And maybe it's been there the whole time where we're just angry, mean, loud, shouting people all the time. And you don't need me to tell you that because you sat in traffic. You've been around people who are angry all the time. You've listened to AM radio. You've watched cable news. And it doesn't stop there. You know, about all the things that happen in our society, you know about sanctioned brutality in the streets. But did you know that last year in 2020, in the midst of COVID, when everyone was staying home, millions of people were staying home, that there were still over 600 mass shootings. And that number was actually up from the year before. As of April 16th, as of last month, there had already been 147 mass shootings in America and a mass shooting being defined by four or more people being shot. This shouldn't be surprising because we live in a culture where over half of the television shows depict violence and that the average American is exposed to 18,000 images of violence in a year. And every year in America, two million men severely beat their wives. Here's the bottom line out of all of that. We are a sick and broken culture. There's not very much 
that our culture agrees on. But there is one thing that's central to the way that we operate. You could just, you could just see it in easily accessible things like politics. There's not much that the left and the right agree on except one thing, power. And all the yelling that we do, all the fighting that we do, most of it, if not all of it, is about power. Who gets to have it, who gets to keep it, who gets to exercise it. The fact that I don't want this person to have it or this group to have it that I don't want equality for this group because somewhere in my twisted thinking, I think that equality for others means less of something for me. I just wanna keep power. Most of us just want to keep power. And as I scroll through my iPad every morning, reading the news, what I've become more and more convinced of is that our culture and our world is in desperate need of recovering gentleness. Now you don't like that. You probably don't like the idea that we need to recover gentleness because when we think about gentleness, we think that people who are gentle are weak and that the fundamental problem with a lot of people is they just need to toughen up. So we, we reach for things like calling people snowflakes when we're offended, we want to cancel other people. Some of us made a decision a long time ago that we would never be gentle. Gentleness, that's for suckers. That's for kids. And I'll tell you how I know. Shortly after our family moved back to Houston four years ago, my youngest daughter was in the fifth grade and it was her first time in a long time going to a public school and there was a stretch there at the beginning of the school year where she would come home in tears every day. And she finally expressed to me that she's like, she just wasn't used to teachers who spoke to their students in sharp tones and with sharp voices that they would yell at their students. And, and I thought, well, you know, no teacher that I know goes into education to yell at kids. Like that's not a motivator for teachers. So I called the school and I said, can I meet with all of the fifth grade teachers? And they obliged, they set aside time. I went up to the school and I sat down and I explained to them, you know, I get what you are going through. My wife is a fifth grade teacher. I understand what it is. And we had this long conversation. And finally, one of the teachers said to us, well, you know, we have to be this way to these kids because they're gonna go off to middle school and middle school is not good to kids who don't know how to handle this. Translation, gentleness is for suckers. And if you don't wanna be taken advantage of, then you gotta toughen up. That then you have to respond to the world the way the world has responded to you, with the tools that the world has used to respond to you. We think that gentleness is an invitation to abuse. And some of us believe that for very good reason. There was a time in our lives where maybe we weren't fully grown yet, we didn't have full power, we didn't have the physical strength and someone abused us. And we decided right then that that was never gonna happen again. Or, or we've looked around the world and we said, it seems like to us, the people who are on the top of the mountain are the people who don't care who they step on or step over to get to the top of the mountain. And I understand that that's the world that many of us think we function in. But the reality is that when we choose to be that way, when we reject gentleness, then we reject a fundamental piece of how we are created and who we are created to be. We forget that gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. It is a way that we discern whether or not the Spirit of God is actually inside of us. Dane Ortland talks about it in his book, Gentle and Lowly, this way. He says, lowly gentleness is not one way Jesus occasionally acts towards others. 
gentleness is who Jesus is. Now, one of the things that we have to get our arms around, wrap our minds around to understand that, is that when the scriptures talk about gentleness, it's not talking about sensitivity or being docile. When the scriptures talk about gentleness, gentleness is a way of being in the world that is opposed to force and coercion. And I want you to hear that clearly. Gentleness is a way of being in the world that is opposed to force and coercion. And we often think of gentleness as an attitude or a characteristic. And over and over again, the scriptures say that gentleness is a behavior that we choose. Just listen to the way the scriptures talk about gentleness. From Galatians 6, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, so when someone's done something wrong, you who are spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness. When someone's done something wrong, how do you respond? How do you respond when your spouse has done something wrong? When your children have done something wrong? When a coworker, when a government? Paul says, spiritual people, restore them with gentleness. Second Timothy, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. Like some of us have enough problem right there. We can't get on social media without being quarrelsome. Be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. What's your orientation toward your opponents? Paul says in 2 Timothy, it should be gentleness. Ephesians 4, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. There's no bearing with one another unless there is something to bear. When you feel overburdened by someone, when you don't want to deal with them or this anymore, what should you do? Humility and gentleness. We can actually choose gentleness. And here's why that's important. The quality of your relationships will be in direct proportion to your capacity to be gentle. The quality of your relationships is in direct proportion to your capacity to be gentle. And this is why gentleness is not, why it's not kid stuff. Gentleness, gentleness is a steel resolve to never be demanding, to never be domineering, even when you can, even when you're most tempted to be, because you will have the opportunity you will have the opportunity to use your power. You will have opportunity over your partner, over your spouse. You will have power over your children. You will have power over employees and direct reports and the team you work with. Someone, somewhere along the line, is going to do you wrong. Somewhere, Somewhere along the line, someone is going to mistreat you and you will have the power 
over them. And your choice will be to exercise power like the world exercises power or to respond with gentleness. And some of us just don't know how to be gentle. We're controlling with our spouse. We hold everything over our kids. We're hypervigilant about someone taking advantage of us. We don't know what to do if we don't exercise power that is force and control, demanding and manipulation. And then one day we wake up to find that all of our relationships have eroded or people find us difficult, that the kids don't call anymore, that when other people have the power to be away from us, that's what they choose. So what do you do? What do we do to recover gentleness? Well, I think the first thing that we do is that each of us has to make a covenant to live in peace. The Apostle Paul, writing the church in Rome, during a time where the government was act actively trying to kill him, not just kill his ideas, not just make life hard, actually trying to kill him, says to the church in Rome, as far as it concerns you, live at peace. And he knows that it's not always going to be up to you. No relationship is one-sided. It's not always up to you. But as far as it concerns you, live at peace with those around you. What that means, if you're a kid like me who grew up in Mississippi, we used to have the saying, don't start none, won't be none. Live at peace as far as it concerns you. And so the Pharisees thought that the way that you loved God and loved others was by controlling and dominating and giving lots of instructions and then policing all the borders and then identifying who your enemies were and who was in and who was out. And that's how you lived at peace. And Paul says that you're only one side of this, but you'll never be at peace until you choose to live at peace and the world will always return your peace. And there's this scene late in the life of Jesus where the Pharisees want to get him to calm the people down who are calling him Lord. And Jesus tells them in Luke 19, he says, how I wish you knew today what would bring peace, but you can't see. And Jesus reminds us, like some of us don't even know what peace looks like. We have spent so much of our lives being at war with everyone because we think gentleness is for suckers. And that's why you're not at peace. Because you have chosen to not be at peace. Second, we learn to yield. There's no doubt in this world that you will face conflict, I will face conflict, both interpersonal conflict, in the community, in the world around us. So when Paul finds himself crossways with this church in Corinth, this church that he planted and loved, this is what he says to them in 2 Corinthians 10. He says, I, Paul, appeal to you in the same gentle and loving spirit of the anointed. And this is Paul who as an apostle, as a leader in the church, could have commanded this church to do whatever he wanted. But he says, I appeal to you in a gentle and loving manner. Let me tell you what choosing gentleness means. Choosing gentleness means winning hearts rather than winning arguments. Gentleness means risking looking weak when you really want to look strong. 
Gentleness means that we are gentle about the way that we correct our children and the people around us. It means that my holding on to relationship with you is more important to me than me making sure that you hold on to the rules. Gentleness means deciding to make a difference rather than make a point. And I'm always shocked when I get on Facebook or social media and the places and I hear Christians arguing with other people in the most stark and harmful and hurtful tone and words possible available to us. We're just so committed that we're right. And I want to step back and say, you know what? We're going to be arguing about something else in two weeks. Do you want to risk your witness for the kingdom over a subject that you will forget about in two weeks? Over something you can't do anything about anyway? Just to make a point? Just to win something? Why would you betray the gentle spirit of Jesus and introduce tension into a relationship with someone else that Jesus loves? Just because you want to feel right that day. And third, I think we remember our story. Like several years ago, there was a pretty well-known preacher who made a lot of waves at his church because he was saying that he felt like the American church had just become sissified. And so this is what he said, and this is a quote. He said, in Revelation, Jesus is a pride fighter with a tattoo down his leg, a sword in a hand, and a commitment to make someone bleed. That is the guy I can worship. I cannot worship the hippie diaper halo Christ because I cannot worship a guy I can beat up. Now, his picture of Jesus is the same picture of power that everyone else in the world has. It's domineering and commanding and forceful, and you're going to do what I want you to do, regardless of whether you want to or not, and I'm going to call that love. He can't worship a Jesus that he can beat up. But he doesn't know his own story. Because when Jesus was here, in the flesh. That's exactly what we did. And even more than that, that's exactly what he allowed us to do to him, to save us. That's gentleness. He's right about one thing. The Jesus we see in the scriptures is a guy standing covered in blood, but it's his own. And it's that reason that we worship him, that we call him Lord, not because he is powerful, but because he is gentle. Ecclesia, let me pray for you. Lord, help us receive perhaps the fruit of the spirit that we least want, which is gentleness. And God, that we would dismiss this idea that gentleness is about our intentions and receive the reality that it is about our actions and show us how to be and live as gentle people in a violent world. And we ask this in your name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so Ecclesia, it's now my privilege and honor to invite you to the table where we remember together Christ's death 
and we proclaim his resurrection in this Eastertide season. And I want to invite you to take a few moments before we eat and drink together to just look inside, to consider what God is saying to you, and to confess to yourself, to God, to be honest about the things that you long for, redemption and transformation, and the places where we need God's forgiveness. So would you join me in reflecting as we pray this prayer of confession together? I'll read as a celebrant, and you can respond as the people. And you, O Lord, we are raised to walk in new life, but still we are prone to wander from your path. Forgive us, Lord. Grant us obedience to walk boldly, following you in faith. Our eyes remain clouded by the things of this world, even as your new creation is breaking through. Forgive us, Lord. Grant us vision for your kingdom. Help us to see you clearly. Our self-interest turns us inward. We are slow to empathy and compassion. Forgive us, Lord. Grant us hearts that break with yours. Make us instruments of your love for all people. And all together, help us to leave these things at the foot of the cross. Help us rise again a forgiven people. Grant us grace for this day, that we would place our hope in you once more. Amen. And so, Ecclesia, we come to the table because we're forgetful people and we need a consistent, clear reminder of God's forgiveness for us and for all people. And so we remember today that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered with his closest followers and they shared a meal. And at one point in the meal, he took a loaf of bread and he gave thanks and he blessed God and then he broke it. And then he did something strange. He gave it to them and he said, take this and eat. It's my body broken for you. And in the same way, after the meal, he took a cup of wine and again, he gave thanks and he blessed God. And then he gave it to them and said, take this and drink. It's my blood poured out for you. And this is a new covenant. And so today we remember Christ's death and his resurrection. And I pray for you that as you eat and as you drink, that you taste God's forgiveness and that you get a glimpse of the hope and restoration that is to come. Ecclesia, this is the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen.
the time in our service where we get to say a special blessing over the children who are in our lives. I have a special guest with me today. This is my son Micah and he is going to be joining me as we say a blessing. So bring your children close. You can lay your hands on them or if they're not with you, you can recall them in your mind or think of any children that are special to you. Micah, may God bless you today with wisdom with peace and with love in your heart. We love you so much. We love you so much, Ecclesia. The benediction today is drawn from Psalm 36. Your love, O eternal one, towers high into the heavens. Even the skies are lower than your faithfulness. Your justice is like the majestic mountains. Your judgments are as deep as the oceans, and yet in your greatness, you, O eternal, animate every living thing. Your strong love, O true God, is precious. All people run for shelter under the shadow of your wings. In your house, they eat and are full at your table. They drink from the river of your overflowing kindness. You have the fountain of life that quenches our thirst. Your light has opened our eyes and awakened our souls. In blessing to all mothers who embody this nurturing touch, open-armed hospitality, boundless compassion, for each of you, family of Ecclesia, that you may know this embrace today. Go to love and serve the Lord. Dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, 
please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.